I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are joined by Stephen Clark today. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen Clark CFC. We're here to talk about all things Chelsea. This is kind of our first show of the quote-unquote off-season, although it increasingly feels like there isn't an off-season in football, well, with the Copa America and the Gold Cup and the Women's World Cup, etc. But there's been a lot happening at Chelsea since we last spoke, Stephen, so we figured we'd get you on to go through a lot of it. The first of all, chronologically at least, was your win in the Europa League, securing yourself an extra Champions League spot, which you had already done uh, domestically by finishing third. There was a lot of controversy surrounding the final based on the location, uh, fan attendance, which naturally plummeted because apparently their airport couldn't handle all of the fans. Um, but just kind of take us through uh, the mindset of a Chelsea fan heading into and out of that match. Yeah, I guess so. Obviously, it was a massive match for us. You know, there was a lot of talk saying that, you know, Chelsea didn't really have anything to play for, that it was kind of Arsenal's match and it was really important for them to get top four. But, you know, um, for, just from a competitive aspect, this game was always massive to, to the fans, you know, playing against Arsenal in a European final, um, potentially Hazard's last game, really wanted to see him out with a win and a trophy. You know, it's really important for how we look at Sarri's season at the end, I think. And also, I think it uh, changed us from pot three in the Champions League to pot one now, which will be super helpful going into next season. We can avoid teams like, you know, Real Madrid, PSG, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I think it was I think it was a really important game for us. Um, and, you know, obviously there was all the the hubbub surrounding the fans not being able to get to Baku, which just seemed like an absolute disaster, you know, even from the Chelsea side of things, it seemed crazy that Mkhitaryan wasn't going to be playing and or even traveling with the squad. Um, yeah, it just seemed like a real shambles of a final, to be honest. But I'm really glad that we were the team that showed up. And I think that um, the team did us proud, especially in the second half. I think we got to see a lot of the fruits of what Sarri has been working on all season. Um, yeah, and it all came to the fold in a, in a really great way. And I'm, I'm so, so glad that Hazard got the send-off that he's deserved because he really has been the heartbeat of this entire team this season. Yeah, I'm surprised you left out Chelsea hero Rob Green, um, oh. <laughs> who the club uh, even sent out a tweet basically to that effect um, as he retired as well. But yes, uh, Chelsea obviously dominated that match from start to finish. Hazard was just sublime. Um, Giroud came back to bite Arsenal, which... We kept predicting what happened and then finally happened uh, on a stage where, like you said, Arsenal had to win and did not. Um, so obviously, congratulations are in order for you picking up that trophy. <laughs> you mentioned Hazard picking up a trophy in his final match. That is because he has now been sold to Real Madrid, so kind of keeping the timeline intact. Um, let's talk about his time at Chelsea. What did you make of his whole tenure from showing up as a baby-faced Belgian to ending up as one of the better Premier League players of the past decade. Yeah, I mean, what can I really say about Eden Hazard that, that hasn't been said? You know, th- this guy's 
just been the absolute perfect picture of a professional, not only just on the pitch, you know, always giving his best, you know, um, always fighting for the team, pretty much carrying us to to everything that we've won in the past kind of seven years that he's been at the club. And it's just, it's just incredible the impact that he's had. Like, I think that it feels really surreal to Chelsea fans right now. Like I still, I still can't quite fathom the fact that he's not a player of Chelsea, that I won't see him walk out wearing the blue again. So um, it's going to be really strange watching him walk out for Real Madrid, that's for sure. But I think the one important thing is that, you know, he leaves with the, with the support of the fans, you know, with the love of the fans, he's, you know, nothing that he's ever, ever will do will ever kind of erase what he's done for Chelsea. And um, I think that he's, in all honesty, I think that he's going to go down as one of the best Premier League players. And also, I think that he's probably ends up being Chelsea's third best player, probably behind um, John Terry and Frank Lampard, honestly. I think that he's right up there. Even, you know, you can say what Drogba did in the finals and, you know, but I think to just the, the classiness, I think he's probably the best player technically that Chelsea have ever had. Yeah, he was obviously just fantastic. Do you think he's kind of behind the the Lampard and Terry thing just because he's not English? Um, I you know it's it's interesting. I think the I think the Terry thing is definitely more of like a kind of a maybe like a it's it's more due to the fact of how much we loved him and you know the longevity and that sort of thing. I think I think Lampard has a genuine debate to be up there with the quality of Eden Hazard. Just obviously two completely different players. Um, but I think that just the amount of goals and assists that Frank Lampard scored and, you know, helped with out with the team and the amount of trophies and that sort of thing, I think that he he quite, he unquestionably stands up there on his own as being one of the best midfielders of his generation. So I think that he um, he deserves that spot to be fighting out. But, yeah, I, I guess the longevity and maybe the fact that they're English definitely doesn't doesn't hurt them. <laughs> yeah, with, with the standing of the fans, that makes sense. Um, Obviously, this year, statistically, you were kind of talking about the goals and assists of Lampard there. This was Hazard's best in terms of goals and assists. A lot of people labeling this his best season, which is pretty inarguable as an individual. But with lifting the Europa League, just getting top four, and having a marquee individual season, do you think this is the best season that he's had at Chelsea, or do you think there was a better one based on other merits? Yeah, so I, I think that I agree with what you say there. Like, it's pretty much inarguable that this season is his best um, via, you know, all the just all the goals, the assists, the general play. I think that he was fantastic. Um, probably, probably the other season I would say um, was the was the first season we won the league under Mourinho with when Mourinho came back for the second time around. I think that that season he just seemed to be on a whole another level. And, you know, they. We were playing like an attacking football the first six months of the season. And um, I think he was just on fire that year and he kind of carried the team to everything. And I think that they had a, they probably had a good chance of going for the Champions League that year as well, but they um, they messed it up as well. So, yeah, I think that that was probably maybe his best season overall. But I think this is a very close second. I think he's been insane this season just because I think that he's had to do it all himself this season. He hasn't really had the help of, of anyone else, whereas, you know, he had – Fabregas and Costa and you know like a younger Willian back in those days but but this season it's been it's been all hazard you know he's had Loftus Cheeks probably been his closest contributor but you know he's really had to do he's really had to deal and with people like Morata and Higuain rather than get support from them so <laughs> I think that this is just it'll just go to show how impressive the season's been that we've made third position in the league because seriously without him we'd be not even in with a sniff. 
Yeah, a lot of players regressed, and the striker position was never really figured out this season. So you needed Hazard to be at his best, and he certainly was. <laughs> Although with him departing, I feel like a lot of people are looking back on his tenure as as a shining example of what he's been as a player, both on and off the pitch this whole time. But for me, to get the full picture, I do think we need to discuss the one big blemish on his career at Chelsea and on the whole, which was the 2015-16 season when Chelsea mm-hmm. finished, what was it, ninth or 10th? Um, it was just, it was, yeah, it was, it think, was yeah. so odd to see the club drift all the way that low. Multiple players accused of giving up on the squad. Just curious in hindsight, what you made of that situation and, and Hazard's role in it. Yeah, I, I, you know, that season, as you say, was just an absolute anomaly. I don't, I, I genuinely couldn't believe what was happening before my eyes for most of that entire year. Um, and I think that we probably won't know the ins and outs of everything that happened in, you know, for at least another until three decades. <laughs> until, until all the books come out, you know, we get the, with the Eva Canero story and we get the Jose Mourinho side of things, <laughs> but I think they've all been sworn to secrecy for now. Um, you know, from, from my perspective on Hazard that season definitely wasn't his best season. I think that he was pretty ineffective. You know, there was times where he was being asked to play effectively like a, a left midfield position instead of a left winger position forced to track back a lot. Um, I think that Mourinho really, I think that Hazard's real only issue at Chelsea has been that he's played under such defensive managers for basically his entire career at Chelsea. And I think that it's really kind of hindered. I think we've never seen quite like the maximum potential of Eden Hazard, which sounds crazy just because he's going to go down as one of the best players of the club's history. I just don't think we ever really got the maximum Hazard, um, which, yeah, take that with what, what you will. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that season, the big thing for me was that a lot of people don't talk about this, but he was injured for a fair bit of that season, um, you know, especially during that kind of Christmas period where we lost to Leicester and Mourinho got sold, uh, got sold, got fired. Um, yeah, he was – he. He suffered a he suffered a fairly bad injury, and he actually missed about three months of that season. So I think that that didn't help his numbers because you know everyone talks about how he you know he went like a whole year without scoring mm. um, in the Premier League, which you know obviously doesn't look good. But I, th- I think there were so many circumstances to why that happened, and I think the whole team, yeah, that was just one of those seasons where where everything caught up with us and where we just didn't have the mental strength or you know the fortitude to turn anything around, and yeah, just. Yeah, it was just a just a bad season all around. That obviously Hazard wasn't able to turn around himself, but you know, I guess can we say he can't he can't do it all the time. You know, he can't carry the entire club on his back all the time. So we kind of, as Chelsea fans, like that one slide a little bit, kind of saying, yeah, he was he was injured for a fair bit, but you know, I I think that he's done more than enough in my eyes to kind of warrant a season off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Fair enough. And I don't think we'll see that from him again. Again, it, it was just a, a weird circumstance. And it was obviously not just him. That whole club had themselves a, uh, a year <laughs> but i just feel like that's important when getting the whole view that there is that one kind of weird Same. spot on, on his record um you mentioned sorry at the top of the show about some of the tactics finally kind of coming to fruition in the final um and hazard finally lifting a trophy well finally <laughs> sorry really um getting his first ever medal as a manager i'm sure everybody saw the images of him holding his medal and even for the staunchest tottenham fan that was still a pretty adorable moment um and that may have been his last action as chelsea manager because there's already rumors that he'll be leaving for juventus um we kind of delayed this just a touch because we thought maybe it would be announced by now but it isn't but i'm sure it will be as soon as we post this um First of all, what did you make of Sarri's season this year grade-wise? Because we already discussed this some in the end-of-season review. But if you had to put a letter grade on the job he in particular did, what would you give it? Yeah, I, I, think, I, would, I think I would give it a B or a B-. minus. I think that um, he, he, did, he did just about everything that I had expected and then also did something that I hoped. Um, I think that you know, I, I expected us to, to uh, do well in the Europa League. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I think that he outdid himself in the league because I think that I was expecting us to finish fourth behind Tottenham and we finished third. So I think he deserves credit there, um, especially, you know, considering that Tottenham were considered to have such a great season, but wasn't really better than Chelsea's season. I guess we'll have to have that debate. <laughs> but um, and yeah, winning the Europa League, I think, is is special and making it to another final, you know, just keeping that Chelsea tradition up of, you know, making finals and do, doing well in all competitions. I think that. I think that he's done well. And, you know, I think that we've actually probably the best thing that we've seen from him really, this kind of goes unspoken is that, you know, not a lot of people actually talk about this, but the dynamic has changed. Like Chelsea have now gone from for the probably the last 10 years, at least we've been talking about Chelsea's, you know, boring, boring football, play on the counter, very defensive, kind of tactically stubborn. Um, and I think that not enough, not enough people are, say, are talking about the fact that the entire, there has been a, this kind of mood shift, you know, the, the the tactics have changed. We are now this. We are now you know we're not free flowing as like a Man City or a Liverpool, but we are attacking. And I think that think that that um he deserves a lot of credit for that. For you, should he be the manager of Chelsea Football Club next season? In one word, yes. I think that he's earned enough. He's earned the respect of me and you know most level-headed fans. Um, you know I wouldn't call myself a, a sorry Easter or. <laughs> <laughs> or that or anything like that but i i definitely i definitely think that, that he's done enough to earn my respect and and yeah but you know at the same time i i don't really blame him if he does want to go because i think that chelsea are just incredibly in turmoil and i think if he gets out now he gets out with his reputation still intact i think that he gets to leave with his head held high and he can kind of look back and say well anything that went wrong wrong wasn't necessarily my fault and i think that if he stays next season to be honest, it's kind of a, it's kind of a suicide. Yeah, uh, and like we said, he gets his first um, trophy. He also gets you guys a trophy to kind of keep your impressive run of of winning cups intact as well. So yeah, it, it worked out for all parties. But again, it does seem as though he is uh, Juventus bound. And I will say, if he goes to Juventus and succeeds, I can't help but imagine some Chelsea fans will be like, "Oh, 
he was good. <laughs> you could be like, yeah, of I course know. he was. Did you see Napoli? Um, it's going to be so frustrating. Yeah, it, it'll be very silly. But um, again, with, with the winds clearly blowing in the he's leaving direction, who do you think would be some of the other candidates that you'd be considering for that role? Yeah, um, from what I've been told, it pretty much is official. And I would expect to see it almost done, not, if not by the time this podcast comes out, not too long after. Um, and yeah, as far as the candidates to replace Sari, um, you know, the big one is Frank Lampard, um, which, you know, is it's exciting and it's interesting and it's worrying all at once. <laughs> um, would it have and, been less you know, worrying if uh, Olugana Solskjaer had done better down the backstretch of the season? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to take a pop at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because um, I think that he did well when he first took over. But I think I think it's a very different situation actually. I think that you know Solskjaer is Solskjaer is an intelligent man. I feel, but for me, Frank Lampard has always been this kind of scholar of the game. Um, even when he was playing, he's kind of had this era of of someone whose whose game isn't necessarily built on technique, but it's built on just intelligence and and tactical aptitude and kind of just this ability to kind of um, to to just be able to adapt to anything, and I think that he's you know he's the longevity at Chelsea um, and throughout his career has kind of proved that, and I, I think that he's always been someone who I've considered a really exciting kind of prospect. I know a lot of people will talk about John Terry because he's kind of the more traditional leader, you know, he's the passionate one, he's the kind of charismatic um, kind of charismatic one of the two, and I think that a lot of people thought that he would be the natural kind of future leader for the club but I really think that Lampard is everything that Chelsea kind of needs you know you can probably say it's a little too early which I would also say I think that maybe he needs another two to three years to really hone down on what being a manager is but in terms of the in terms of the man Frank Lampard I think I think he is pretty much perfect to to spearhead this Chelsea revolution and I'm I'm excited by it (laughs) but you know a little worried that it's come a a tad too early yeah it does seem he's the only uh really leading candidate for the job um on our full uh review that will either have come out before or after this for the full premier league season uh dave did mention eric ten Hag is an option um from mm-hmm. ajax which would be really interesting for this kind of youth revolution that it seems chelsea are finally going to be able to to have um but we'll use that as the transition into the transfer ban um you were telling me before the show that that you aren't actually trying to get the freeze anymore that you're just appealing the actual decision which there is very much evidence of so that looks pretty unlikely um do you think that this is kind of just going through the motions a bit oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent. in my opinion like you said that uh, we've appealed to cast but not to freeze the ban uh this summer but instead to try and get the ban overturned completely which it seems very unlikely at this stage because it's progressed it's progressed at this point so there's obviously some merit in what fifa have said it's not come out of nowhere we've known that we've been doing some interesting things with parents and youth players for, for many years now. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like the club's just trying to keep up, keep up appearances with this thing. Um, seems like they're trying to appeal it and trying to save face a little bit because if they denied it, then they would effectively be admitting guilt, which, you know, isn't great when you're breaking the laws of FIFA and football. Um, but I, I guess, I guess the other thing that is, is frustrating is that just the, is that now we're, I think, well, by not appealing this, the freeze of the ban, it kind of does, it does save us from, 
from facing kind of an extension of the band because I think if we were to freeze or attempt to freeze the band, we could be viewed from FIFA and by Cass as trying to trying to essentially like delay the band, which you yeah. know, is is a no go. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but it does look very likely that it will be upheld. And and in our season review, I was saying that I actually thought that would be a good thing for Chelsea with all of the youth you have at the club. You know, if Tammy comes back, if Mishi Batshuayi comes back from his loan at Palace, you also have Loftus-Cheek, Hudson-Odoi, Reese James. You just get all those players together and you have a good core at the back. You know, you have Christensen, if you brought through Ampadu. Like, you have this, like... Actually, the, the timetable of success for a big group of your players that are at least owned by Chelsea uh, are kind of aligned. But now all of a sudden, the transfer ban isn't postponed. It looks like it'll just happen. And now we have huge injuries with Hudson-Odoi, Loftus-Cheek, and with Reese James. Do you still think this kind of youth revolution idea will happen if that many of them are injured just how do you think you'll you'll deal with all of that heading into the 2019-20 season out of everything that has gone wrong for Chelsea in the last year or so <laughs> which i think is a lot i think i think possibly the biggest the biggest annoying thing for Chelsea fans and biggest problem that's gone wrong is these three injuries at this time because it really really felt like this was the time. If there was ever a chance for these players to break through and there to be a core of Chelsea youth players in the first team squad, it was this coming season. You know, the transfer bans here. The opportunity is there. We potentially could be having Frank Lampard and Jody Morris back at the club, who are some of the biggest pioneers of youth in in the club. And for these three players to get such bad injuries as well, I think Reese James is pretty much confirmed as a broken ankle, which is going to mean three months out and possibly surgery. Then the Achilles injuries for both Loftus Cheek and Hudson Odoi, um, which means that you know they're not really going to be back at full fitness and full power until probably, honestly, November or December during the season. So it's really, really gutting for a Chelsea fan, especially because, in particular. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has has really looked like he's one of the best players at the club at the moment. You know, not it's not just a token. Oh, he's a youth player, so he kind of we should give him a chance. He really, really has earned this, and I think that his opportunity has come. And I really, really hope that he can kind of overcome this injury as quickly as possible and get back into that first team because he's so effective for us. And I think we're going to need him. Um, in terms of what you're saying about our youth players lining up um, in terms of like age and potential, I think that's a really good point. I actually think that. Um, I don't think the squad is in as dire straits as it was maybe a couple years ago. I think that we kind of have an interesting core forming that can kind of in two to three years maybe reach their peak. People like Kepa, I think, is 24. Um, I think that Christensen is 23. Loftus-Cheek is 23 as well. I think that's like a really strong spine there. And I think that, you know, there are a couple of lone players, people like Tammy Abraham, who are really interesting. I would personally give him a go because... He literally can't be worse than Higuain and, and Morata this season. So <laughs> I And, you know, we're talking about a guy in Tammy Abraham. Honestly, I think not enough people have put respect on this guy's mm. name. You know, he's got, he's got over 60 career league goals at, at age 21. Yeah. Like, who, who else has that? You know, people talk about how Marcus Rashford is such a good player. But, at Tammy, <laughs> you know, when Tammy and, and Marcus were the, doing at the same age at youth level, Tammy was outscoring this guy by like 25 goals a season. I think that, you know, I, you know, are, are people really going to tell me that someone like Joe Gomez is a better player at that age than Reese James was? I don't think so. I, I think there's a real fear 
amongst the Chelsea hierarchy to give these guys a go. And it's basically unfounded because every other club does it. You know, Tottenham does it. And, you know, players of like, no offense to these other clubs, but genuinely lesser quality. I think some of these Chelsea players are potential generational talents. Not all of them, obviously. But, you know, there's three or four there that really, really, this is this could be the kind of Fergie's fledglings of Chelsea. And I would really, really hate us to pass this opportunity by. Yeah, and I don't want to be a harbinger of bad news, but if you got them both back by December, I think that would be on the optimistic side of those recovery yeah. timetables. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's just a, a big blow. But like you said, the, the talent's been there, and this seems like the opportunity to, to get them involved. Um, just out of curiosity kind of the back end of that how many other players do you think would go if the transfer ban is confirmed to be happening like people keep trying to throw random huge amounts of money at willian for no reason based on clearly not his performances um do you think him and some others might might still go even if there's a transfer ban or do you think you just kind of shut up shop and be like we have who we have and go into the season like that yeah i was hoping that this season would kind of be or this summer would kind of be used to get rid of a a fair bit of the Deadwood, you know, players like Willian, who deserve respect, you know, he's he's won two league titles at the club, but clearly not as good as he used to be. Clearly pretty ineffective today, you know, one of the oldest wingers in the league. I think that, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just, I wouldn't see many of these guys leaving, to be honest, probably like the likes of like Danny Drinkwater, Zappacosta, Cahill, you know, the guys who didn't get any game time at all this season, I would expect to leave. But the periphery guys like Willian and Pedro, who, you might have expected to leave. I think with this transfer ban now means that they're going to be sticking around another season. And I think that just it's going to do us a lot of damage in the long term um, because we're going to end up with a situation like Arsenal and like Man United where we just have all these Deadwood players on the, on the team earning so much money that it's going to be really hard to bring in other players. Um, and effectively, we're going to lose all the sell-on value because, you know, we could have sold William at the start of last summer for about, I think, I think there was talk of like $60 million to yeah, Barcelona. To <laughs> insanity it's just club suicide the fact that we didn't get rid of him you know if we don't sell Marcus Alonso this summer I don't know what the club are doing because this guy has no future in the in this in the first team and you know if Atletico Madrid are desperate for defenders um I I would snap your hand off for 30 mil right now yeah I'm sure uh Tottenham don't want him now by the way that was a long time (laughs) ago no thanks um but anyway what about Willian can we tempt you Nah, that's all right. I'm all good. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Stephen, we really appreciate you coming on, talking all things Chelsea. It'll be really fascinating to see what happens between now and the start of the season and what actually happens next season. Uh, so appreciate you coming on and talking about it. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you. Great. Yeah, uh, like like Kevin mentioned at the start of the pod, you can find me at uh, Stephen Clark CFC on Twitter. And uh, I also have my own podcast now, which is the Anything and Everything podcast, which obviously, like the title, <laughs> we talk about anything and everything. Yeah, go check that out if you enjoy listening to Stephen on this show for sure. Uh, An absolute pleasure speaking with you and best of luck through what I'm sure will be a crazy summer. Thanks, Kevin. (laughs) 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.